Hello, hello, hello. I'm Aaliyah and this is Netflix, Coffee, and Questioning Humanity. Full disclosure, my brain is a little bit erratic at the moment because I have candles at my desk and I was just like bopping out for some reason and um, seemed to forget that flames were under my arm. So there's that. That's how you know it's going to be a good episode when I almost catch fire, I guess. And I'm very much looking forward to this episode because the Oscars is a week away I believe do we even care anymore about the Oscars I mean if you were bored with it before if in previous years you're like I don't care about these movies I feel like this is a good year to watch because streaming services are finally getting some love and that includes Netflix Netflix has a total of 35 nominations. Viola Davis is now the most nominated black actress ever and the only black actress ever to receive two best actress nominations. Well deserved for Viola. Also Mank. Mank is leading the Netflix pack with 10 nominations as well as the entire Oscars pack, not just from the Netflix selection. And we are gonna get into some of my thoughts about all the Academy Award nominated Netflix films and go over briefly the other contenders and get into my predictions and what I thought were snubs at the end. And in case for some reason you did not know if you're new to this podcast, I don't have any credentials. I'm not being sent any screening shit. I'm not involved in any type of movie making. I have no history of that, nor do I wish to. I'm a regular schmegula woman who happens to like good films and good shows and and I like to talk about it. So that's uh, why I'm here. So I may not be as eloquent or as knowledgeable as maybe some movie critics are on like YouTube or on other podcasts. Just don't take it too seriously, man, because I definitely don't. Um, we're just we're just here talking about movies and opinions and it's going to be a wild ride. So grab your coffee. I have a feeling this is going to be a long one. We'll roll the sirens. We'll talk coffee. We'll hang out. It'll be a good time. So let's do it. Friendly reminder that this is an explicit podcast, which means I may discuss explicit content while most certainly using explicit language. So little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad may want to bow out. Look at how fast and talented I am spewing that. Record pace. Now on with the show. Okay, today I have a fun little drink from H Mart, which if you're unfamiliar with H Mart, I do want to give a little blurb from their website because it's super cool and it explains it better than I could. It's basically an Asian supermarket chain, but it says H Mart is the largest Asian supermarket chain in America and is the pioneer of Asian food in America. Starting in 1982 with a single store in Woodside, Queens, H Mart has grown to include more than 97 stores across the United States. States. H Mart is America's premier Asian food destination and provides groceries and everyday essential needs as well as upscale products. H Mart is also known for its innovative new food halls, which are an extension of over 30 years of providing eateries in its stores. I just thought that was really cool to share. It's a massive Asian supermarket with like a food court area. And when I went shopping there the other day to get mochi and to try this red bean cookie and to get kimchi and meat, because they've got great meat. At least at my local H Mart. I can imagine that it probably varies throughout the country. I picked up 
what looks like it's going to be very delicious. It's a Korean caramel macchiato and it comes in great packaging. It's double sealed. It comes with a little red straw and the brand is called My Cafe Latte, but I also see Mayil on the side. So I'm not sure which is the brand. It says on the back, the signature point is the caramel drivel topped with caramel drivel the caramel drizzle topped by creamy foam and then the origin point is Ethiopian coffee beans for enriching flavor so it is Ethiopian coffee they say to definitely use the straw and insert it at the pointed end thank you for the instructions my cafe latte so we're gonna give this a taste you guys say caramel or caramel like I'm not trying to start fights but if you say caramel come on that's like the ugliest word caramel Caramel. It sounds smooth and delicious, just like caramel. Like, again, I'm not trying to start fights, but respectfully, you're wrong. All right, I'm trying to open this. Let's see. Be extra careful when opening. Thank you. Oh my God, that's right on the packaging. This is like expensive packaging. Excuse me, where's the foam? It says keep refrigerated, right? That's what I did. Okay, do not microwave. I don't see a damn bit of foam. Not a lick. Oh, 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 well. Oh, was I supposed to poke it like through the, it has like one of those um aluminum tops. I think I was supposed to poke it through the top. Is it supposed to, like, so I don't see it. They're trying to fucking cheat me out of foam. So you love how I passive aggressively was like, thanks for the instructions, my cafe latte. When it specifically told me to take the pointy end like the idiot I am and poke it through <laughs> the aluminum. But you know, I clearly can't follow directions. So I fucked myself on that one, but I didn't want to be cheated out of foam. I don't regret the decision I made. Anyway, let's try this. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. That is really good. A little asthma for you. Hold on, let me, let me get my obnoxious slurp on. I don't actually drink like that. I'm not using the straw because I already fucked it up. And also like this straw, just to give you an idea, it's about two inches <laughs> and the cup itself is not that small. Does it extend? No, no, it bends. Like the, it would never reach the bottom. So I don't understand what the point of the straw is. Okay, it's obviously quite, I mean, I guess it's not that pricey. What do you pay for like your Starbucks grocery? You know, the... Oh, I almost burnt my hand again. You know the Starbucks drinks that you get, the to-go drinks that don't taste anything like the actual fucking Starbucks drinks that are a waste of time? Those are probably like $1.99, right? And this is 7.4 fluid ounces or 220 mill milliliters, whatever y'all say with milliliters. I think I paid $2.99 for this. I can't remember either $1.99 or $2.99, which for a macchiato, I'm not mad at because it's very strong. You don't need like a Dunkin' size coffee for this. Also, when I was at H Mart, I picked up, I don't even know what it was. I saw one of the members of BTS on it. It was like his face stamped on one of the coffees. And I was like, yep, put it in the cart. We have to have it. I have to have it. I don't know if I'm gonna review it here on my YouTube. I'm still waiting to review my poop coffee. I'm just scared, guys. I have one shot at it. I've been talking about this for months. I know. No one is more frustrated about it than me. I look at it. I'm literally looking at it right now. It sits on the top of my desk now. And I just don't wanna fuck it up. I paid $25 for a cup of coffee. So I'm researching the best way to drink it. And then I'm like, no, you're overthinking it. Just do it, make it the way you'd normally drink it. I wanna get as much content out of it as possible. <laughs> I wanna make a TikTok making it. I wanna 
put it in my YouTube video. I'm damn sure gonna be reviewing it with an episode on here too. And then it's gotta be like the right YouTube video. It's gotta be like a real iconic subject with the poop coffee, which I wanted to do it with the evolution of Jordan Peele. I was going to do that not in my next video, but the video after, it's just taking a bit because my area of filming is different now. And it's been a challenge getting the lighting and the fucking sound right. It's quite annoying. It's very echoey, which I'm working on, okay? I'm a novice here. I'm no professional. Slowly but surely, guys. But yeah, I keep changing my mind on what I want to do it with, so we'll see. I, I have like four or four five videos planned out. We will see where it lands within that stockpile of subject matter. Anyways, it, we're, we're moving right along. Let's get into some Oscars now that I'm clearly caffeinated and ready to go. I'm not gonna go too crazy and I'm not gonna give spoilers. Don't worry, it is a spoiler-free podcast. There are going to be some films that I just don't care about and I'll be like this is what it's nominated for I literally don't care about this film I thought it was bad and I feel like that's all I need to say on it I'll give you a brief summary in case it interests you but I'm you know I don't have enough time to sit around here and act like I fucking care about Eurovision but the first film I want to talk about is called The White Tiger and it's nominated for best adapted screenplay so uh, Balram do you know what the internet is no sir but I could drive to the market right now, sir, and get as many as you want. Nah, it's okay. Thank you. Do you have Facebook? Yes, sir. B books. I always love books, sir. Yeah, I heard you can read. Have you ever seen a computer? Uh, yes, sir. Actually, we had many of them in the village with the goats. Goats? Yes, sir. So a quick summary on The White Tiger is this. I just grabbed this from IMDb. An ambitious Indian driver uses his wit and cunning to escape from poverty and rise to the top. An epic journey based on the New York Times bestseller, which by the way, was pretty controversial book. I loved the script and the dialogue was so beautifully written with so much character development and depth. Also, full disclosure, I'm going to say beautiful and powerful a million times over in this podcast because I'm looking at my notes like for what I wrote for each movie and beautiful and powerful is in almost every fucking one. Ooh, you know what I'll do? I'm going to pull up the thesaurus.com and for every time I say beautiful or I'm about to, I will replace it with a thesaurus alternative. We love a good old synonym, but when I'm writing notes, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about me saying beautiful 8,000 times over. I'm just like, it's so but anyway, continuing on with the White Tiger. We were talking about amazing character development and especially Balram's character. I was blown away by his development. It was like, it, it was beautiful. This is exactly what I want to see with character development. It makes sense, especially with the story, to go from where he started and to end up where he ended obviously but every bit of growth and development in between every bit made sense to me and it wasn't just Balram's character that was so well developed it was almost hypocritical every character was hypocrisy in a good way like in a beautiful storytelling kind of way especially Priyanka Chopra Jonas her character was probably one of my favorites I keep saying the word hypocritical but I don't know if that's like the right word to use it's the only one I can think of <laughs> it's so hard to try and explain this without giving anything away uh what can I say how can I put this the character's biggest fear was or what they didn't like was sort of 
everything they were. You just kind of have to see it to understand, but I got it and I loved it. This film puts you into the setting. It does a fantastic job with that. You feel that gap between the powerful and wealthy and the poor and underprivileged in India, which is so important. That is a critical part of the storytelling in this movie. Adarsh Gurav, who plays Balram, like I said, he's unbelievable. You can tell he completely sunk into this role. I just, I can't get over how well-developed and well-rounded and multifaceted his character was. It is a long film and sometimes I, I did catch myself being sort of bored. It does drag a little bit in the middle. If you need constant action, you probably won't like this film. I kind of fall victim to that sometimes too, where I'm just like, okay, I need something to happen. But for movie lovers, like movie nerds who love details and the technicalities and foreshadowing and that buildup, you will love this movie. It, again, technically, it's very beautiful to look at. I enjoy the technical things and the symbolism and the foreshadowing. I, I like it, but I need, I need it with a little substance. I need some sort of action. I need some at least angry dialogue, something to, you know, raise the temperature a little bit, if that makes sense. Again, I'm not that eloquent when it comes to explaining these things. I'm not a professional. I can only go by what I feel. And like I said, the middle was really where that lacked for me. The beginning and the end. I know movies have to breathe, so I, I understand why they probably did that. It's just a personal preference. I don't need a movie like Extraction where you don't get a second to breathe. It's just straight anxiety. But I just wanted something spicier in the middle. That's all. Regardless of how much it dragged, it was a really good movie. The cinematography, y'all know if you've been listening, I'm a fucking sucker for that shit. The metaphors on top of metaphors on top of more metaphors. It was, ugh, it was poetry in a film. It really was very, very artistic. And it was really clever and witty, even when it was heavy and dramatic. I really liked The White Tiger. I gave it probably like a six out of 10. Moving right along into the next title, it's called My Octopus Teacher, and it's nominated for Best Documentary Feature. She's got no mother or father to teach her anything. She's alone. She's got all these different type of predators all hunting her. So over millions of years, she's had to come up with the most incredible methods to deceive them. She's got to learn fast because he's only got just over a year to live. A filmmaker forges an unusual friendship with an octopus living in a South American kelp forest, learning as the animal shares the mysteries of her world. Now, guys, I'm going to need you to take a seat. The My Octopus Teacher stands. I need you to just sit down and not be offended. Yes, there are My Octopus Teacher stands out there. They're the same ones who are obsessed with Dick Johnson is dead or whatever that documentary was. I need you to understand that I know that this is a beautiful documentary. It's beautiful. The concept is stunning and interesting. And when the octopus like held hands with Craig, I hope that's not a spoiler. I don't think it is. I definitely got warm fuzzies. Okay. But let's be honest with ourselves now. This is an absolute fucking bore. It was way too long, incredibly redundant. And that's all I really have to say about it. I watched it at one point five times speed after I got about halfway through and I was very much not invested beyond wow that's a really cute octopus those are my thoughts in their entirety that is all we are going to be moving into the next film which is going to start moving us into a typical kind of Oscar vibe which is 
very dramatic, very emotional, very heavy films. There are going to be a few films that I say I did not enjoy watching. That doesn't make them bad films. It means I don't think I'm supposed to feel good about watching them. And the next film, which is titled If Anything Happens, I Love You, is definitely in that category. And this is nominated for Best Animated Short Film. I don't have any audio to play for you because it doesn't have dialogue, but I can tell you right now that it doesn't need any and dialogue would almost ruin it. A basic very brief rundown because it is a very short film obviously best animated short in the aftermath of a tragedy two grieving parents journey through an emotional void as they mourn the loss of a child yeah this shit was heavy this was a really really sad film you go through the grieving as the brief synopsis stated with these parents and it's just every emotion you could possibly imagine balled up into 12 minutes of film my favorite part of this film was the way they stylized anxiety and fear. I I was mesmerized and I felt it in my chest. I was certainly not expecting the cause of death to be what it was. That was definitely when I lost it. There was a specific text scene and the, the transition. I That stuck with me, the transition from the text to the next scene. That still stays in my mind with just how simple and beautiful it was. And with a short film like this that's only 12 minutes long, every little detail matters. And yeah, I thought it was beautiful and honest. I loved the animation style and the music was lovely. So I would not say it was enjoyable but it evoked emotion and I believe that was the purpose of the writers and the animators to evoke that emotion and when you see the film you'll understand why I highly recommend it I would definitely give this a 9 out of 10 I completely forgot to rate my octopus teacher 4 out of 10 easily it was beautiful and very original but boring dude I'm having fucking heart palpitations from this caramel macchiato but like am I surprised how many cups of coffee have I had today I had one with breakfast I had another one after that and then I had a dunks macchiato which I haven't finished yet I finished half of it and then I started recording so I had my cafe latte which is gone now just me drinking more coffee than I do water it's very hard to stay slow and somber for these very serious films when my heart's going boom 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 but this next one is very serious too so I'm going to try and be very slow you know I can talk very fast and if you hear my chair squeak it is not my gluteus maximus those are chair farts those are not me farts just getting that out of the way now in between films so if I'm talking about something serious and you hear a squeaky squeak you'll know that it's not me farting. Okay, now let's get serious. We're talking about the next film, Hillbilly Elegy. And this film is nominated for two Oscars, one Best Supporting Actress for Glenn Close and Makeup and Hairstyling. Oh, I don't give a rat fart what you're smoking, kid. If you think you're hiding it, honey, you're dumb as a bag of hair. Pack up. For what? What are you doing? I'm taking him. Where? To live with me. And if you got a problem with that, you can talk to the barrel of my gun. An urgent phone call pulls a Yale law student back to his Ohio hometown, where he reflects on three generations of family history and his own future. Amy Adams. Amy fucking Adams. 
Oh, this. Okay. I'm gonna say this was a snub. I know I'm not supposed to be talking about snubs. Not until the end. But she was fantastic in this film. There's this one scene kind of early on in the film. And it's in the car after the baseball card situation. If you've synced it, you know what I'm talking about. If not, obviously I'm not going to spoil it. But I was terrified. It was haunting and borderline triggering. Okay, it was very triggering. Lots of scenes were in this film, actually. There was a scene in the road when the police and the ambulance come. There was that rollerblading scene. It was all an amazing show of Amy Adams's talent, but it can be a lot to consume. She did a wonderful job, and I was kind of waiting to see when Glenn Close was going to swoop in and steal the show because she got the nomination. It just seemed like it was the Amy Adams hour. It wasn't until about the halfway mark that Glenn Close seemed to show up. And obviously, like the audio clip I put in, she's got a lot of snarky lines, but it was a lot in her facial expressions when she would say nothing at all that I thought were her best acting moments. It showed a lot. It made you really believe in this character. Also, her relationship with her grandson and the dialogue between them is chef's kiss. The scene when JD and her, that's the grandson, JD, get into a fight over a calculator. Oh my God. She, she was everything in that scene. Everything I aspire to be. She's my spirit animal. Speaking of JD, the actor who plays the young JD, his name is Owen Astelos, I believe. What a future this kid has. It was really hard for me to watch his point of view. As a person who has had a parent suffer from addiction, it evoked lots of emotions and brought up a lot of similar situations I have found myself in as a kid. So that sort of, you know, hit my my heartstrings. Also kind of random, but I can't even explain how beautiful the back and forth time jumps were. They were done so well and they were so purposeful and I, I did really appreciate that. I guess that would be considered film editing. I don't know, but just thought I'd throw that out there. Now focusing on makeup, it was so good that you do forget that it's it's makeup. You forget that. They perfected it so well down to the sunspots on Glenn Close. I literally was astonished. I had in my notes, quote, in all caps, by the way, I didn't know this was based on a real story. Oh my God, the makeup made so much sense. Yeah, Glenn Close looked identical to the character she was supposed to be. As I was watching and typing my notes, I wrote, wow, like 600 times over because I was so excited. This makeup was just the cherry on top of the production that made me feel like I was fully immersed in the story. So beautiful so well done. It had a really emotional ending that did make a lot of sense and I had goosebumps. Also the credits had me like Marvel level invested so that's saying something. Overall this was a great movie very interesting it was very heavy I give Hillbilly Elegy a 9 out of 10. Oh boy this is gonna be a long one I think this will be my longest one yet because we're at 23 minutes and we aren't even close to halfway through maybe kind of close to halfway through. I told you to get a coffee and snack because it's going to be a while. So you can't be mad at me. I'll level with you. The next one I do is absolutely fucking irrelevant. It's Sean the Sheep, the Farmageddon shit. Unless I'm on your phone, which, you know, most of the time I am, you have like a minute to go get something to eat. And then we're back in action. All right. What's the name of this film? I put down Sean the Sheep, but it's a much longer name. Let me get the full name to give it its full respect here. It's like Farmageddon, I think. Sean. Oh my God. Sean White popped up on Google. What's he up to? Uh, 
Sean the Sheep Farm. Okay, here we go. A Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. And this is nominated for Best Animated Film. And in this film, if you're familiar with Sean the Sheep, there is no actual dialogue. It's just kind of experience aggressive noise making like kind of like that so I'm gonna skip the audio clip uh I just gave you kind of a brief idea of what it sounds like and I feel like I did a damn good job too Sean the Sheep hit me up when an alien with amazing powers crash lands near Mossy Bottom Farm Sean the Sheep goes on a mission to shepherd the intergalactic visitor home before a sinister organization can capture her I did need this relief I will say that and (laughs) I hated it so it was a short-lived relief but I'm also not the target audience here so I fully get it I didn't really like the animation style I know it's like classic Sean the Sheep I'm sorry I feel so bad saying that I wish I could say that I made it through the whole thing that would indicate me doing a good job with this but I got 40 minutes in and was like I'm so sorry I checked out And at first I even thought to myself, why is anything even in the same category as Soul? But another film on this list nominated in the best category, I think is actually going to win. So not Shaun the Sheep, definitely not fucking Shaun the Sheep, but I am predicting an upset. Anyways, Shaun the Sheep, maybe your kids will like it. If you're getting a snack, it's time to come back now. Come on back. We're talking about shit that matters now. My apologies if you're wearing headphones, but you know, we got to bring the people back. And we are on to the next one, The Trial of the Chicago 7. This is nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Sasha Baron Cohen, Best Original Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Cinematography. So this is a big dog. I'd like to invoke the president. I, Bobby G. Seale, have a motion pro se to defend myself. I'd like to invoke the president of Adams versus U.S. X. Rel. McCann, where the Supreme Court... All right, that's enough. Where are you learning these things? Does your young friend, Mr. Hampton, have a background in law? Your Honor, the other defendants would like to join in Mr. Seal's motion. Are you now speaking on behalf of Mr. Seal? No, Your Honor, I'm speaking on behalf of the other defendants. You're standing right next to him. Why don't you just represent him? Because I'm not his lawyer, sir. If I understand Mr. Seal this last month and a half, and I believe I have, he is not represented by counsel. Overruled. I am being denied right Mr. now Seale. my constitutional Will you be right quiet? for Will legal you? representation. Will you be quiet? You have lawyers to speak for you. No, he doesn't. The story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. Illinois. Illinois? Illinois. Sorry. Illinois-ians. Illinoisans. Okay. I'm moving on. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your state name. To be fair, before I move on, I don't think I've ever said Illinois out loud. I've always just said Chicago, but you know, whatever. Shocker here, guys. (laughs) But I am heavily invested in the cinematography category this year. If you're new here, I speak about cinematography as if I know a fucking thing about cinematography. But also, like, I feel like as a viewer, we all kind of have an idea of cinematography. Let's kind of erase that shit, that whole mindset of, oh my God, you don't have a film degree. You don't know a damn thing about cinematography. It's like, well, I'm a viewer and I know what I like to look at. But anyway, that's just me being petty. But 
I was so excited when I saw this being nominated for Best Picture and Best Cinematography. I don't really know much about film editing. That I think is a little trickier. I haven't given that a little Googler search, but this had my full attention. I was ready to watch and I feel like I was done within the first six minutes in a good way. I was done. I said throw in the towel, sweep, best picture, best cinematography, Newt Scamander, throw him an Oscar too. Six minutes, six, S-I-X, three plus three, six minutes. I looked. It was before the title even crossed the screen. I was like, yep, I'm done. I'm all in. And then somehow, somewhere, it kind of slowed. I mean, it breathed. It's, you know, it's a movie. I talk about this a lot. I'm thinking that it's more so a me problem rather than a movie problem. But I did get a little lost in the sauce and I was kind of losing interest. But then about 50 minutes in, I want to say, this film turned into fucking Optimus Prime and leveled up. Let me tell you. Ooh, it's the tension, the anger. You can't not feel it. It's so timely and so classic, even though it's from way back in the day. There was one scene in particular that kind of stayed with me. It was during the protest and it's just a second, but it was such a powerful moment for me when they were pouring the milk on the face of a kid that was hit with what I presumed was tear gas or something like that. And it just, made me think wow like I know we've come so far but how are we still seeing these same things happen in 2021 it is an absolutely powerful film the ending oh my god masterful it was goosebumps I you just need to watch it the next title I'm not including an audio clip I'm sorry guys I honestly take a lot of time for these so don't think I'm lazy when I'm just like guys I just don't give a shit I just don't want to waste your time and bullshit and give you fake like oh maybe I'm already being so fucking vague with the shit I do care about because I don't want to give spoilers But I don't think I have given a fuck less about anything more than Midnight Sky. Unless it's Miley Cyrus's Midnight Sky, I don't fucking want it. But and however, Midnight Sky is nominated for Best Visual Effects. So yeah. If you don't know, let me give you a synopsis. This post-apocalyptic tale follows Augustine, a lonely scientist in the Arctic. In the Arctic. In the Arctic. I cannot pronounce words today. Okay. As he races to stop Sully and her fellow astronauts from returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. It sounds great. That sounds like I'm all in, but no, I'm not. It, 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 it's just a bore. It was a fucking bore. Down to my bones, I was bored. I couldn't bear watching it. I'm so shocked that it got any type of buzz. Does anyone like this film? I've never really heard anyone talk about it, except like when it was coming out on Netflix, you know, that first day buzz. But I, I, I don't get it. Hopefully someone enjoyed it, but you know. Not me. Moving on to Two Distant Strangers, and it's nominated for Best Live Action Short Film. Slept with this girl last night. Real cute. I think I like it, but I think it was just sex for her. I don't hear a problem yet. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I just... I think maybe I'll fall in love too fast, or... Some people just fall in love too slow, you know? You got late last night. Move on. In Two Distant Strangers, cartoonist Carter James, who is played by Joey Badass, by the way, or Joey Bada $2 signs. Repeated attempts to get home to his dog are thwarted by a reoccurring deadly encounter that forces him to relive the same awful day over and over again. This, how do I put this without giving it away? Okay, this is happy death 
day, but make it legitimate fucking reality and true anxiety for the black and brown community today. It's absolutely devastating. Um, Please go into this fully prepared for pain. And for my friends of color, this could be extremely triggering. Black trauma is real and you don't need to absorb every fucking ounce of pain and hurt that is out there just because it's something prevalent. It's a very hard film to watch. It's about 32 minutes long. Uh, Hard for anyone to watch, really, not just, you know, people of color. I don't think I can give a lot more information without giving it all the way because it is really short. Uh, But if you can stomach it, if you are interested in this film, I need you to watch it from start to finish. It's a roller coaster and it's unbelievable. The ending sentiment really stuck with me. Uh, the final word spoken, I, I, I got it. As soon as I heard the last word spoken, I was like, wow, that really resonated with me. It was so beautifully done. I cannot say that I enjoyed this film. Like I said earlier, it's not the word. Again, it just affected me. That's the intent of this film. There's no way to assume otherwise. It's not meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be consumed and felt and to get a message across. And it does that very successfully. In all aspects, this film gets a 10 out of 10 for me. The next title is Pieces of a Woman, and it's nominated for Best Actress for Vanessa Kirby. She has to pay for her incompetence. Is this about money? No. Is it, is it about what, what people think? It's about you. It's about you having to face this. I am facing this. I am facing it. I am facing this! Well, I don't think you are. We need, we need some justice here. No, you need. That is what you want. That is what you need. That is, that is your way. That is not my way. That is what you need. When a woman suffers an unfathomable tragedy, she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships with loved ones in this deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss. I went into a lot of these movies blind, but this one, for some reason, I, I don't think I've ever heard about it. I heard nothing of it. I just went into it completely knowing nothing. I didn't even know Shia LaBeouf was in this film, which, I mean, he's a whole fucking other problem, to be quite honest. So I went into this completely in the dark and this made the movie so much more intense for me. I wish I kind of had an idea of what I was getting into. I would recommend searching the trigger warnings on this film before you go into it, just so you have an idea if that's something that pertains to you. Because um, it is not putting it lightly when I say that this is a heavy one. Not an enjoyable watch at all. It was beautiful. Vanessa Kirby, who is she? I've never heard of her. Actually, let me look up her IMD because I was saying that to myself. I'm like, who is this woman? Why have I never heard of her? Vanessa Kirby. Let's see what she was in. Oh, she's an English actress. Oh my God, wait, she's from The Crown? Why don't I know her? Oh, she's Margaret. Holy shit, what kind of crown watcher am I? Oh, she's big time. Okay, fucking Vanessa Kirby. Oh yeah, she's Princess Margaret. Okay, yep. She looks so different, does she? She's from Hobbs and Shaw. What are you doing? Is that fucking Fast and the Furious shit over yet? Love Paul Walker, rest in peace, but like Jesus fucking Christ. Fast and the Furious should have been done. Jupiter Ascending, oh, so she's had some hits and misses. She absolutely, I don't even know how she isn't affected for the rest of her life from this role. I would be. There was no joy in this whatsoever. I'm warning you now, This there it's dark the whole time, just uncomfortable and gritty and sad. There was one scene towards the end uh, in the courtroom that was absolutely, 
absolutely fucking brutal that I believe makes Vanessa a contender. As lovely of a film as this is, like as a body of work, I have to give it like a six or a seven out of 10 because it was just too much for me. But we are going to move on to one I've talked about before, and that is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. This is nominated for Best Actor for Chadwick Boseman, Best Actress for Ms. Viola Davis, and Best Production Design. Hey, watch it now. Shit, you stepped on my shoe. Excuse me there, Levy. Look at that. Look at that. Nigga, you stepped on my shoe. What you do that for? I said I'm sorry. You gonna step on my goddamn shoe. You know, fucked up my shoe. Look at that. Look at what you done to my shoe, nigga. I ain't step on your shoe. What you want to step on my shoe for? Man said he was sorry. How the hell he gonna be sorry when he done ruined my shoe? I'm talking about sorry. Nigga, you stepped on my shoe, you know that? See what you done done? I said, excuse me. Now it's over. What you want me to do, huh? I'm not gonna fuck up my shoe like that. I ain't step on your shoe. Huh? Look at this. Nah, nah. Look at what you done. Look at that. That's my shoe. You did it. You did it. You fucked up my shoe. You stepped on my shoe with them raggedy ass clawed out. Ain't nobody stunting about you and your shoe. I said, excuse me. If you can't accept that, then the hell with it. During a recording session, tensions rise between Ma Rainey, her ambitious horn player, and the white management determined to control the uncontrollable mother of the blues. I'll keep it brief again because you know I fucking love this movie. It was one of my favorites of last year. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. It completely transports you to another time. And I mean entirely. I was so invested in this film, I started listening to Ma Rainey. She is on Spotify with, I think it's called Toad Frog Blues, was one of my favorites to listen to. Incredible voice, incredible passion. I highly recommend if you're into like old folksy blues. Obviously it's not of highest quality. It's not gonna give you WAP quality, but it is good. The cinematography, makeup, lighting, the music, the costumes, it just knocks everything out of the park. I feel like an easy blanket statement is to say it needed to be nominated for more. Fantastic storytelling, fantastic technicals, and no fluff. There is no fluff to this film. It shows you the genius of Chadwick and Viola obviously with their acting the entire cast is unbelievable some people were like this wasn't what I expected it's just one day and I was like that's the fucking beauty of it it just sinks you into a moment of these people's lives a very important moment one day that shows you what it's like to be them to live in that world to hear what they hear it it was just really beautiful I thought this was filmmaking at its best 10 out of 10 of course. Do I even need to say it? The next title was one that I was probably most surprised at. I went into it like, all right, here we go. And it's called The Life Ahead, and it's nominated for Best Original Song. This film is in Italian, so audio wouldn't really do much for you uh, without subtitles, unfortunately. But let me give you a brief little tidbit here. In Seaside, Italy, a Holocaust survivor with a daycare business takes in a 12-year-old street kid who recently robbed her. This was 
was a unique and interesting plot and it was so devastating and painful but also so filled with love and clever and funny dialogue to the point where you know that it's heavy subject matter but they give you some comic relief and it it makes it fun it makes it enjoyable to watch it's not just so fucking dark the bonding between Madame Rosa and Momo was unreal it was beautifully built from the beginning and it felt very authentic Sophia Loren iconic she plays Madame and the young man who plays Momo I believe his name is Ibrahima Guay I don't know how someone so small could contain so much talent there are so many young actors coming up that we were not even ready this young man is one of them the ending was probably my favorite ending of any film that I've seen in this Netflix curation here is probably my favorite that I've watched out of the Netflix Oscars collection. I think this film, as a matter of fact, was my favorite one I've watched out of everything I've watched in this episode. I do wish this film got more love, but it was nominated for Best Original Song and the song, gorgeous. The woman who wrote it, I believe, is like a trillion time Oscar winner. I could be wrong, but the song is beautiful. Ooh, this next one over the moon and it's nominated for best animated film Chunga loves it up there alone that's why she took both immortality pills instead of saving one for Ho Yi. actually according to my mother i might be related to Ho Yi. that's not what happened auntie Ho Yi was off fighting demons with his bow and arrow when a robber came and tried steal to steal the immortality pills yeah, yeah, yeah. She only put them both in her mouth as a hiding place. <laughs> Not buying it. Chunga floated to the sky while her one true love stayed here uh, and bit the dust. In this animated musical, a girl builds a rocket ship and blasts off, hoping to meet a mythical moon goddess. I first heard of this film because my little brother, who is six years old, he's one of the triplets, is obsessed with this film or was. You know how kids are. They get obsessed with something new every week. But this coming from the youth's perspective is a hit. It's such a quirky, funny, and cute film. This gave me the relief I've been waiting for. I loved the animation. I loved the music. It was absolutely beautiful. I told you I'm gonna be saying beautiful like a million times. Might as well just take a fucking shot with your coffee as I say it. But remember when I said that I think something could upset Soul? I think this is it. I think this might beat Soul. Did I personally love it more than Soul? Absolutely not. If I was the Academy, I'd be voting for Soul. But, and however, Over the Moon is fantastic. I recommend it for the kiddos. I recommend it for anyone who enjoys cartoons. It isn't a really childish cartoon. It's one of those cartoons that adults can enjoy as well without kids. Over the Moon gets a nine out of 10 from me for sure. Moving right along to Crip Camp and it is nominated for Best Documentary. I wanted to be part of the world, but I didn't see anyone like me in it. I hear about a summer camp for the handicapped run by hippies. And somebody said you probably will smoke dope with the counselors. And I'm like, sign me up. Down the road from Woodstock, a revolution blossomed at a ramshackle summer camp for teenagers with disabilities, transforming their lives and igniting a landmark movement. I put off watching this for a long time because I felt like I would be overly emotional, but it had so much joy. The footage was gorgeous. It was empowering. It 
was wonderful hearing stories from the disabled community. They were charming and funny. And for myself, I enjoyed the light shined on the disabled community. And it brought their dialogue to the forefront because there is this horrendous stigma around disabled people. And it's just uncalled for. I thought this was unbelievable. I had no idea about anything around the disability revolution. I had no clue. And I love that. When I'm watching a documentary from a time period that I feel like I know quite a bit about, like everyone knows about Woodstock, but did you know about this camp? Did you know about the disability revolution? I felt like I was at this camp with them. Could you even imagine a sacred place where you felt safe and equal to everyone around you? In a little corner of the world when the rest of the world is evil and just shit and judging you? That must have been the most amazing experience for them. Just as a final thought, Denise has my whole heart. What a fucking wild child with her purple hair. I live for it. Denise is a rock star. Easily 10 out of 10. There's no other winner. like there, that's not even a thing. Nobody thinks anything else is winning. It will be Crip Camp. All right, here's another one. I tried to sprinkle them in lightly. So I'm not like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit with three things in a row. I think this is the last one I genuinely don't give a shit about. And it's Eurovision. And it's nominated for best song. Hey there, Elf. It's me, Lars. I really messed up. And uh, I just wanted to come up here to ask of you guys for any help you can give me. I don't know how I'm going to fix things with Sigrid, but I have to try. Okay, have a good lunch or whatever you're doing in there. Never understood why half this country still believes in elves. When aspiring musicians Lars and Sigrid are given the opportunity to represent their country at the world's biggest song competition, they finally have a chance to prove that any dream worth having is worth fighting for. I didn't enjoy this film, not for me, but the song that it's nominated for, Goosebumps, I think it's well deserved, the nomination. It's heartwarming and I can't wait to hear it performed live. And yeah, those are my thoughts on Eurovision. I give Eurovision a one out of 10 because the song was really lovely. Also, I just remembered I was supposed to have my thesaurus up and replacing the word beautiful with other things and I completely forgot, but we'll do that from here on out. Also, my co-producer Ragnar the cat is crying because he doesn't have my full attention at the moment. So I apologize if you hear him moping. He is extra needy today. All right. The next title is The Five Bloods and it's nominated for Best Original Score. Ooh, we're going to get into that. We are going to get into Best Original Score. Best Original Score for the, t- for the Five Bloods. That That's it. That's it. Okay. I'm just checking. I'm just making sure. I'll choose. When and how I die, you dig? You couldn't kill me here with three tours. You showing the fuck can't kill me now. Four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam, seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. This film, I mean, that audio clip alone from Delroy Lindo, it, it is done by Spike Lee in case you were living under a rock. I really enjoyed this overall. I found it thought provoking. And of course, from that audio clip, I wish you could see it. I wish you could visually see it. I really, I really need you to watch this film just to watch Delroy Lindo. Lindo's performance. He stole the show and uh, Spike Lee is an absolute artist. Delroy Lindo is so talented. And hear me out. The story for me, and I'm an average Joe, like I said, it was a bit messy. I felt like it was a bit messy 
messy and the pacing was off. It felt odd and a little bit, I guess, disjointed. The first hour was so long. It dragged. I definitely fell in love with this film in the second half. That's for sure. But even in the first half, in the slow parts, the dialogue was unreal. So, so, so good. It kept you so invested. And regardless of what you think of Spike Lee, the man is a genius. It's not up for debate. (laughs) Now the score. I mean, the score was great. Sure. But there were so many other wonderful things about it. I'm not going to get into all the things. I'm not going to get into all the things I want to say about the snubs. Hang on. We'll get there. We're getting closer. We only have two more to go. And then we're going to we're going to talk. We are going to discuss. The Five Bloods gets an eight out of ten for me for sure. All right. The next film is a love song for Latasha and it's nominated for best documentary short. And we go to the swing to sit down so I can just catch my breath. She's like, you know what? You little, you need somebody to watch. We about the same age. I done seen you around here a few times. What you doing tomorrow? Coming back outside, but I'm not coming back to the pool. She's like, you don't worry about it. I'll be with you. A reimagined narrative of Latasha Harlan's through intimate memories shared by her cousin and best friend. This is another short one. This is, I believe, the shortest. It's 17 minutes long. I can't even... Oh, here we go. Another beautiful. Let me look on thesaurus. All right. Now I have my thesaurus pulled up because I'm going to say beautiful 6,000 times over. I cannot put into words how absolutely not beautiful, pulchritidundinous this film was, how foxy this film was, how angelic this film was. That's marvelous. That's a good one. I don't think I can put into words how marvelous this film was. The visuals were so fucking gorgeous. Gorgeous. This film is the definition of art. When you watch it, it evokes so much. You don't even have to listen. The audio on top of it is, is I would dare say, not even necessary. The story you could get with no audio. Obviously not in detail, but you would feel the emotions of the story. I should say that. It was about 20 minutes of my life that I never need back. I don't want it. Keep it. I'll give you a thousand more minutes. So wonderful. Everything was purposeful in this film, especially because it's so short. Like I said earlier, that that tends to happen with short stories and short films. It's an absolutely heartbreaking story. Another one I did not know about. I knew about the LA riots, of course, but I did not know about Latasha Harlins. If I did, I did not know her name, which is just as important. And I had no clue that it was the catalyst for the LA riots. That took me by complete surprise. I highly recommend you take 20 minutes out of your day to watch this. Of course, again, it it can be quite painful, quite triggering. Not as much as Two Distant Strangers, in my opinion, but that's subjective. Everyone's idea of what's too much to handle is different. And please don't think, like, not that it matters, but just don't think I'm putting it lightly when I say please go into this knowing it's heavy. Just because there are a lot of heavy titles in here. It doesn't make one less heavy than the other. Does that make sense? A love song for Latasha gets a 10 out of 10 from me for sure. All right, guys, here we go. We're stepping into dangerous territory. I put it at the end so you'd have to deal with me all the way through before I started going off about Mank. Ugh, Mank. It's the leader of the pack for God only knows what reason, but I will get into that. It's nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Gary Oldman, Best Supporting Actress for Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried? Seyfried? I never know how to pronounce her name. Director David Fincher, Best Original Score, Cinematography, Production Design, Costume Design, Makeup and Hairstyling, and Sound. How can I put this nicely? I may be a loose cannon, 
But you, my friend, are an outsider. They're exasperated by me, and I've earned it. But you, a self-anointed savior hyphenate, they're just waiting to loathe you. Remind me never again to work with a washed-up alcoholic. Duly noted. Nelson Algren, please copy. All right! 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane from 1941. I just want to say right off the bat, whether it's purposeful, like clearly in this film and the vibe and the time period, yeah, 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 yeah. I do get it, but I hate black and white films in present day, not when it was the only option, so much, so much. I find it pretentious and I have no reason for that I really don't just in my mind it screams I'm trying to win an Oscar and it doesn't make any sense to me basically everything about this movie is everything that I find pretentious and annoying (laughs) in film and everything I feel like people do in order to try and win an Oscar which clearly worked and it's why it's nominated six million times so maybe I'm on to something but I digress and I obviously if you couldn't tell have an uncultured and unpopular opinion of this film I suppose because everyone seems so gung-ho for this. I fucking hated Mank. It was so boring. I was completely uninterested. I don't have a lot to say because I genuinely wasn't into it at all. I just wasn't interested. I don't find myself incredibly attracted to that artsy fartsy type of film, which is this. And I mean, that's cool. That's great. Obviously, the Citizen Kane fans would find this very interesting. And technically, I mean, it's Fincher. It's beautiful. Wait, beautiful. Let's pull it up. And obviously, it's Fincher. It's exquisite. It's nice. It's magnificent. It's alluring. It's well-formed. It's symmetrical. They definitely transported you to the 1930s, was it? 19 or Late 1930s. Citizen King came out in 1941. So around that time period. I just didn't get it. I wasn't invested into the story or the character. I love me some Gary Oldman. Serious Black. Are you serious? He always has my vote, but I wasn't floored by him in this film. I really wasn't. He's Gary Oldman, so I feel like the bar is really high. So it wasn't a bad performance by any means it was splendid it was fantastic but it wasn't anything compared to don't worry lindo just saying and amanda seyfried i why why get out of the category i'm sorry i didn't see anything incredibly interesting about her character or her performance and again maybe i'm just an uncultured idiot but i i didn't get it it's pretty to watch but i felt lost in the sauce all right guys now we are going into the full list of nominations and my brief thoughts if i have any on the other films surrounding it not like i did in depth with all the netflix ones but just you know who i think will win versus who i want to win if they're the same if they're vastly different if it's even nominated because you know sometimes that happens delroy lindo anyway best picture the nominees are the father which i thought was a great film it's filmed from the perspective of a man with dementia and it's kind of confusing when you watch it because you're inside his head so it takes a minute to kind of process you might even have to watch it twice but it was very touching it's a fascinating take Judas and the Black Messiah another movie I can't say I enjoyed I didn't feel good watching it it sparked every emotion in me but it's important it needs to exist it really shines a light on Fred Hampton uh, and if you are unfamiliar with Fred Hampton or unfamiliar with the Black Panther Party I do think this is a very very good film to watch the next nominee is Mank obviously I'm not a fan then there's Minari seemingly simple story but it was very very beautiful wait 
another beautiful, look at that, a seemingly handsome, graceful, gorgeous, lovely, sublime story. And it's about a Korean family striving for the all-American dream in rural Arkansas. I liked it a lot. I do think it will win, even though I'm rooting for Judas and the Black Messiah. Then there's Nomadland. And I get it. I get why people love this to some extent because the cinematography is fantastic and Francis McDormand obviously an Oscar darling and the idea of it with the inclusion of I believe they're actual nomads it's about a woman who like lives in a van and she goes off into you know being a nomad it's very real it's very real but for me it was boring I'm sorry it places you completely in her life but like I don't really care about this lady pooping in a bucket it wasn't it for me I wasn't interested but it, again it's kind of like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom there's no fluff you're just watching watching this lady living her life. Uh, and yeah, very pretty to look at, but quite boring. Promising Young Woman, loved this movie. The imagery was candy and sweet and bubblegum and oh, dare I say kawaii? No, probably not. But anyway, the pop legends on the soundtrack, unreal. We had some bangers in there. And yet with all this pretty imagery and cinematography and the lighting, oh, I loved the lighting. This film was so dark. It was so dark, dark subject matter, super trigger warning for sexual assault. Uh, but dark com, it's a dark comedy centered all around Revenge. It was not what I was expecting, but I fucking loved it. It's very complex. And Carrie Mulligan is a complex character. It's extraordinarily hard to watch, but it tricks you. Visually, it tricks you. I don't know how to explain it in a cool, eloquent way. It's just a lot. Very layered with lots of systemic issues being addressed. And the ending was wild. It was absolutely fucking wild. Very, very different kind of ending. That's all I'll say. The Trial of the Chicago seven obviously within the first six minutes of this film I was rooting for it to sweep but then as I looked at who it's up against I think it's kind of tough it's up against some some bangers so I don't know and finally the sound of metal oh this film it covers so much past what its initial problem is I don't want to give anything away like not a drop of it away I thought it was great uh very personal Riz Ahmed blew me away in this role the story got my wheels turning and I think that that's what makes the film really great. It's thought provoking. It makes you sit back and go, huh, I wonder what I would do in that situation. But, and however, I was bored. You know, overall, it was a good film. I do think Minari is going to win Best Picture, but I am rooting for Judas and the Black Messiah. Now we're going into Best Director, Thomas Vinterberg for another round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. I want Emerald Fennel to win for Promising Young Woman. I think it would be well-deserved, but I do believe very strongly that David Fincher will win for Mank or Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. For Best Actor, Anthony Hopkins is nominated for The Father, Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey, Gary Oldman from Mank, and Steven Yeun from Minari. I think we can agree Chadwick Boseman has the Oscar. It's it's no question. Best Actress, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey, Andra Day from the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Francis McDormand, Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan from Promising Young Woman. I mean, again, it's Viola Davis from Ma Rainey. There isn't a question. Uh, I mean, I believe that every single woman in this category had a strong role. Strong. Frances McDormand, as much as I didn't like Nomadland, all there was was her acting. Her acting, that that's what made it a good film was her. She carried it. She was Jesus. She was LeBron on the Cavs. She was carrying that film. But it's Viola.
Viola baby. It's it's you might as well make Oscar her middle name. It's in the bag. She's she's just going to be a legend for the rest of her life. Best supporting actor, Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy, The Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah got two nominees. I was kind of surprised that Daniel Kaluuya wasn't nominated for best actor rather than supporting actor, but I mean, whatever. And let me tell you why I want and believe that Daniel Kaluuya will win. Daniel doesn't look a lot like Fred Hampton. Not at all, actually. He looks a lot older. He has completely different face. It's quite a striking difference, uh, especially age-wise. Fred Hampton was 20 or 21, I believe, when he was killed. And the situation sort of reminded me of Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury. It was his own take on the character. He knew Fred Hampton so fucking well to his bones. And when you're watching this, you don't think, oh, wow, Hampton didn't look like that. That's not Hampton. He made you believe that he was this man. It was just a really great performance, aside from, you know, the fantastic acting, just the way he took on the role in his own unique way was really, really great for me. Again, if I had to pick a second, Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami, another film that I think deserved more love, but you know, that's neither here nor there. All right, we're getting into Best Supporting Actress, and I actually wrote something out, like a long statement for who and why I want this actress to win, but let me go through the nominees. Yoo Jung Yoon for Minari. She had a beautiful performance, something a bit more classically Oscars as far as performance goes. Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried from Mank, Olivia Coleman from The Father, Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, and Maria Bakalova from Borat's subsequent movie film, Extra Long Title Name, and I am not saying that whole paragraph of a film name. Let's talk about why I need Borat to sweep its categories. And I don't mean like it needs to sweep, as in like, oh, trolling. No, people need to take this seriously. One of my absolute idols, Jordan Peele, who I believe I mentioned in the intro, it's been a long time now, that feels like six weeks ago. He's an artist, he's a legend, and he has drilled into my head that social issues can be hard to swallow and hard to accept with a straightforward type of film or documentary. Judas and the Black Messiah, for example, is hard. It keeps you emotionally defensive because you are hurt watching it. You That's your instinct. You're defensive. You don't want that hurt. It's powerful and it's important. And I love that film. But Borat shines a light on issues in a very different way. You watch Borat, you laugh and you see the absolute fucking stupidity and hypocrisy and wildness of our world right in front of your face. And you are open to that message because you aren't on the defense. You are open for that fun and crazy wild story. That's all that you think you are processing. Those ideas seep into your consciousness and it does make you see the world differently. It creeps up on you. I think of the idea of Borat on a much larger scale to Key and Peele. The jokes that they make on Key and Peele are about hard shit. And it's easier to be like, ah, yeah, you're right. As opposed to the hard truth punching you in the stomach. Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius. He devotes so much energy and honesty and danger, if we're being completely real, to get you these messages. Both are highly effective. The punch to the stomach, Judas and the Black Messiah way, and the kind of creeping the message up on you through laughs and giggles and sometimes, you know, in Jordan Peele's 
case, scares. Both are highly effective depending on the person. And it's good that we have both right now. And for that reason, I think Maria Bakalova should win Best Supporting Actress. She's a legend, a non-American American fucking hero for what she did in that film. No hyperbole there either. She deserves this win. However, I don't think she will win. I don't think we're quite there yet. I do think Yoo Jung Yoon will win. She had a beautiful performance, but like I said, it's very classic Oscars. So that's my rant on Borat. <laughs> For best animated film, we have Onward, Over the Moon, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. I'm obviously rooting for Soul, but as I mentioned, I think Over the Moon will take this in a major upset. Best Adapted Screenplay, Borat Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger, who I want to win. Borat, duh. However, I think One Night in Miami will win, and I'm very okay with that. Best Original Screenplay, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, The Trial of the Chicago 7. I want Judas and the Black Messiah to win, but I believe Minari will win. I think they're going to sweep Best Original Song, Fight For You, from Judas and the Black Messiah. And the accredited artists and writers on that song are Her, Dernst Emile II, and Tiara Thomas. Hear My Voice, from Chicago 7, Daniel Pemberton and Celeste Waite. Husevic, from Eurovision. Savan Koteca, Fat Max, Gusus, and Ricard Granson. EOC, or Seen in English, from The Life Ahead, Diane Warren and Laura Pocini. Speak Now, from One Night in Miami, Leslie Odom Jr. and Sam Ashworth. This one, I'm not sure about. I want Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah to win. However, I do think Speak Now from One Night in Miami will win, and I'm very okay with either. Original score, The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, News of the World, Soul. I think Mank will win. I want the five bloods to win because I want them to win fucking something. They deserve something. They deserve so much more. But those are my thoughts. Best sound, Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and Sound of Metal. I didn't really have a crazy opinion on this one. I think Mank and Sound of Metal did an incredible job with the sound in their film. But I would like to see Sound of Metal win this. I mean, the name sound is in the title. How could you not give it to them? And they did some really cool, unique things with the sound in that. You know what? I think Sound of Metal will win. Costume design, Emma, Mank, Ma Rainey, Mulan, and Pinocchio. I, of course, want Ma Rainey to win this. I think that would be well deserved. But I think Mank is going to win. Best animated short film, Burrow, Genius Losi or Lochi. If Anything Happens, I Love You, Opera, and Yes People. I do think If Anything Happens, I Love You will win. And that is what I want to win. Best live action short film, Feeling Through, The Letter Room, The Present, Two Distant Strangers, and White Eye. I dearly want Two Distant Strangers to win, but, and however, I think White Eye will win that one. Best Cinematography, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland, The Trial of the Chicago 7. I want Judas and the Black Messiah to win, however, I think Nomadland is going to win this one, and you know what? Rightfully so, if it has to win anything, I think cinematography would be one of the best options for it. Best Documentary Feature, Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. I think Crip Camp is a runaway winder, but and however, The Mole Agent, I don't know. I'm getting a weird upset feeling, but realistically, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Crip Camp. And that is who I want to win. Best Documentary Short Subject, 
Colette, a concerto or concerto. Sorry, I'm not musical in any way. I sing in the shower. That's about it. Is a conversation. Do not split. Hunger Ward and a love song for Latasha. I want a love song for Latasha to win. However, I do believe the concerto, concerto conversation will win. Film editing. The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. I think Promising Young Woman should win. I think Nomad is going to take it. Makeup and hair styling. Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey, Mank, and Pinocchio. For this one, I want Ma Rainey to win overall, but I can't get Glenn close with those sunspots and looking exactly like her character out of my head. I'd be okay with either, Ma Rainey or Hillbilly, but it doesn't matter because Mank is going to win this one as well. Best production design, The Father, Ma Rainey, Mank, News of the World and Tenet. Another one that I want my Rainey to win, but I believe Mank is gonna be the dickhead of the Oscars and win everything. Them and Minari. Best visual effects, Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, the one and only Ivan. I do think Tenet will win. I don't really have a preference for this category as long as it's not The Midnight Sky. Now let's get into snubs. And I'm gonna start with Amy Adams. I think her character in Hillbilly Elegy deserved the nomination over Glenn Close. Regina King for Best Director Man. I mean, One Night in Miami, it was her directing debut and she did an incredible job. I would think over Vinterberg for another round would have been an apropos decision in my opinion. Delroy fucking Lindo. Do I have to say that again for best actor? That for sure. Also Eddie Redmayne for The Trial of the Chicago 7. I would think him over Sasha Baron Cohen. But you know, what do I know once again? I think him even replacing Gary Oldman. I know Eddie Redmayne is an Oscar darling, but Gary is too, bro. Newt Scamander needs to put Sirius Black in his place, let me tell you. Also, where's Devil All the Time? Where the fuck is that film? I think it was one of the most perfect films I have ever seen. Robert Pattinson as Best Supporting Actor would have made sense. Even, I think it's an adapted screenplay. I don't really know, to be quite honest with you. I think it could have held up against the others in that category. I don't know if I could see Tom Holland standing up to the rest of the nominees and best actor, but Devil All the Time deserves something. Something. Where was that? Also, to put it quite briefly, One Night in Miami overall deserved a little more love, but I can accept, you know, Leslie Odom Jr. and the song, and I would have been okay with Regina King for best director. The Five Bloods overall, overall. Where is the love? Where is the love? I know it seemed like I wasn't a super fan because I didn't give it a 10 out of 10, but I can respect a piece of film or art and say, wow, that was really good. Even if I will never watch it twice. It's hard to explain, but if you get me, you get me. I think this year is going to be exciting for the Oscars. Nothing can top the year Rami Malek won for Freddie Mercury and Bohemian Rhapsody ever. I think I actually filmed my reaction for that. Hopefully I can find it. Maybe I'll put it up on the Instagram. If I can find it, I will. But I'm actually really excited. Let me know. Are you going to be watching the Oscars? Do we care anymore? Are we just kind of here just to listen to me yap on about bullshit? Or do we actually give a shit? As a society, I feel like we're over award shows. Like the Grammys, nobody gives a shit about the Grammys. It's so fake. There's something about the Academy 
Academy Awards, though, that I feel like has some authenticity to it. It's still completely out of touch. But then again, I guess like Marvel and fucking Jay and Silent Bob, things that are widely loved among the general public, maybe aren't considered art. But one day, maybe, maybe we'll see, you know, a sprinkle of something thrown in there. I certainly want more horror films. That's for damn sure. Tell me why Justin thought The Shape of Water was a fucking horror film. I went on a whole rant about how these fucking uppity motherfuckers think that they're too good for horror because it can be kind of campy and shit and like a bit unbelievable to some degree. And I went off. I'm like, how does The Shape of Fucking Water? (laughs) You know, I was like, really? We're going to call it unbelievable? We're going to call it campy? The Shape of Fucking Water. Do you guys know what that film's even about? Let me give you a fucking quick synopsis of The Shape of Water. I love Guillermo del Toro. I do. But The Shape of Fucking Water. I was rip shit. All right, here we go. Let me give a quick little blurb. At a top secret research facility in the 1960s, a lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature that is being held in captivity. Doesn't that sound like a strange type of porn, something that you'd stumble on when you don't mean to. Doesn't that sound a bit strange? I'm sorry, but the fucking shape of water. I'm still not over that. I was so mad. I'm a bit petty if you couldn't tell. But anyway, I'm going to be watching. Maybe I'll be live Instagramming. If you are interested, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at NCQH podcast. Very simple. I also have a YouTube channel that I haven't been quite active on. I'm kind of working with uh, my filming space at the moment. Been a little busy as well. But I also drink coffee over there and talk about horror. All things horror too, not just films. And that's at youtube.com slash L-E-A-L-O-C-K-S as in Leah Locks. Or you can just search Coffee Beans and Horror Fiends if that's easier for you. My personal Instagram is L-E-A-A underscore M-A-R-Z as in Leah underscore Mars with a Z. And I'm also semi-entertaining on TikTok. And that is L-E-A-M-A-R-Z-Z as in Leah Mars with two Zs on TikTok. I also want to share a website for mental health resources. It is the National Institute of Mental Health at nimh.nih.gov. It gives you information on everything from getting immediate help in a crisis, finding a health care provider or treatment for you, deciding if a provider is right for you. And you can also learn more about mental disorders. There's brochures and fact sheets and health topics and clinical trials. And they also share federal resources that also help you find low cost health services. Thank you guys so much for listening in. I know this was a big mama episode. I hope you enjoy the Oscars if you watch. Anyways, stay caffeinated, stay streaming and stay strong guys. (laughs) 